November 2nd, 2016. Does anybody know what happened on that day? Consider who's telling the story. Maybe that'll give you a hint. <laughs> World Series, that's right. Game 7 of the World Series. My Chicago Cubs were trying to finally win the World Series for the first time in 108 years. Things were looking really good until the bottom of the eighth. Cleveland tied the game with a home run. And I got to tell you, when they hit that home run, it was like all the Billy Goats of the world were in a chorus together. And it just, the curse and everything, all those thoughts came back. And uh, it, was, it, it was not looking good. But then in the 10th inning, a man by the name of Ben Zobris comes to the plate. There's two guys on base. And I got to tell you, in that moment, I did something that I never do. I prayed for an athlete. <laughs> All right, now, I don't believe in praying for outcomes in sports, but when it's been over 100 years, <laughs> now, I was praying, and the reason I was praying was because uh, Ben Zobris, actually, it's a true story, he's a strong Christian, and I remember in that moment, I was praying, I was like, God, Ben Zobris is one of your servants, and uh, <laughs> please just give him a platform to speak your name right here. And uh, I can't take full credit for what happened. Zobris stands a Cubs will take the lead. Almore digging to the plate. Zobris delivers 7-6 in the tenth. So I apologize to the Cardinals and the Reds fans. I just had to watch it today. But uh, uh, the thing is that that one hit, that one player, changed everything for the the franchise the fan base you know no longer the lovable losers no longer the curse and um you know that one moment was worth years of pain and one hit changed everything uh as much as i would love to just do the whole sermon on the cubs um i'll spare you of that i will transition now into what we're really talking about uh the power of one just like how one player and one hit changed everything for a whole lot of people in a much more serious example, one follower of Christ can help change everything for others. Your life, your example, your story with God's help can impact so many lives and can impact eternity. For the last several weeks, Daryl has been taking us through this series called The Butterfly Effect, and uh, today is the last message in this series, and I want to talk about the power of one. Each one of us has the responsibility, the challenge, and the privilege of representing Jesus on this earth. We have the ability with God's help, as Daryl said a few weeks ago, to rattle the gates of hell. The question is, will we do it? Will we get in the game? I love studying through uh, the book of Acts. Uh, the early church, recently our high schoolers went through the book of Acts on Sunday mornings uh, we've talked about Acts 1-8 a lot, but I also want us to focus on the verses that follow that. It's the final words that Jesus said before he ascended back into heaven. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. <clears throat> they were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them, Men of Galilee, they said, why do you just stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. It sounds like these angels were basically implying 
It's time to get to work. Don't just stand there hoping for Jesus to come back. Go and do everything that he taught you to do. And like he just told you, you are going to be his witnesses to the ends of the earth. I think a lot of times we're guilty of just standing here, just waiting, hoping for Jesus to come back. You know, we spend a lot of time uh, looking up into the heavens and, and worshiping, which is a wonderful thing. It's absolutely needed in our life to sing praise to him. But if we really want to worship him, we worship him by following him every day, putting action to our faith. Jesus did not say, if you love me, sing songs to me, and that's it. He said, if you love me, feed my sheep. If you love me, you'll love one another. If you love me, you'll keep my commands. And the last thing I would want in my life is for God to look at me and say, why are you just standing there? A few years ago, there was a big study uh, conducted among Christians. Over 14,000 Christians were surveyed, and the question that was asked was, who do you give the most credit for helping you come to know Christ? 6% of the 14,000 said that a pastor gets the absolute most credit for helping them come to know Christ. Now, those people in the survey still admitted that pastors were a, a big role in their life coming to know Christ, but how many people do you think gave a friend or relative the most credit for helping to come to know Christ? The answer is almost 80%. So out of 14,000 Christians surveyed, over 11,000 of them said that it was a friend or a relative that reached out and helped them as the top reason that they now know Christ. See, too many Christians think that ministry is just for ministers. They think ministry is just for people who are on staff uh, or missionaries that travel around, but ministry is for all Christians. Uh, the Great Commission is for every single one of us. Being fishers of men is for every single one of us. Every Christian should be in ministry. Some of us will have a pulpit and a microphone, and some of us won't. But I've heard it said before that a Christian without a ministry is a contradiction. Some of you may know the name uh, Reggie Joyner. Um, Reggie Joyner is the, uh, the founder of Orange, Orange Curriculum, Orange Conference. Um, when he was first getting started, he and his team sat down and they, they took out all these index cards and they started writing down, they, they said, write down the turning points in your life when it comes to your faith. Any story, any example, any experience you can think of, write them all down on the note cards. At the end of the day, they collected all the note cards. There was a bunch of them, and they found that there was a common theme. People were their turning points. Reggie gave an example of when he was eight years old, how one person impacted him. Um, again at 16, again at 18, again in his 20s, and just all these cards of all these examples of it was people, it was someone reaching out, that was a turning point in my life and my faith. And now Reggie has done some amazing things for the kingdom because throughout his life, people believed in the power of one. One person led by the Holy Spirit can help change everything for somebody else. I've got a lot of stories to share today about people that were changed in that very way because one other person was an impact. One example is uh, Toby Mack. Toby Mack, if you don't know who he is, he uh, founded one of the most popular Christian bands of all time uh, called DC Talk. Uh, Toby Mack is now a solo artist. He's sold millions of albums. He's won Grammys. He has sold out arenas um, for all of his concerts. Well, he wasn't always a Christian. Uh, he, his life was changed 
at a basketball camp. It wasn't even a Christian camp. It was at this basketball camp where one other person took the time to ask him about his life, ask him about his faith, and he started to talk to Toby throughout that week. He started to share scripture, and Toby said that this person was talking to him in ways about God that he had never heard before. He said the Bible was was coming to life for the very first time. Toby ended up becoming a, a Christian, and then all of this in his life followed. But here's a question. Did that person at that camp, we don't even know their name, did that person at that camp just impact Toby's life? Or did they have a hand in impacting millions because of who Toby impacted? When we impact one, we also impact everyone that they're going to impact. That is the butterfly effect. That is discipleship. I'm sure you've heard of some of these names, the guys on the, on the screen there. Dr. Bill Bright, uh, the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ. Dwight Moody, one of the great evangelists of his time. Of course, Billy Graham. But have you ever heard of Edward Kimball or Henrietta Mears? Edward Kimball was a shoe salesman in Chicago, and one of his co-workers, a fellow shoe salesman, didn't know the Lord, and he felt compelled to share with him, and, and that co-worker's name was Dwight Moody. Dwight responded to the message, gave his life to Christ, ultimately became perhaps the greatest evangelist of his generation. It was because of Kim Ball's faithfulness to share the gospel that the Lord reached Moody, who in turn reached millions. Uh, what about Henrietta Mears? In 1928, she felt called uh, by God to lead a Sunday school class. Um, that class continued to grow. Through that, she went on to found uh, Gospel Light Publishing, and out of that, there was 400 men and women that went into full-time ministry, two of their names, Bill Bright and Billy Graham. I can't tell you how many stories that I have heard over the years of famous Christian pastors or authors or musicians. They share their story, and they talk about how that one person changed their life, took the time to make a difference. But it's not just about the famous stories, the famous Christians. I've seen so many examples over the years in youth ministry and churches where that one invitation ends up changing everything for somebody. That one conversation, that one person, and, and maybe we have many people in here that can share their own story of how that one person impacted their walk and their faith journey. I believe with all my heart that every teenager is one caring adult away from being a success story. And it just says a little youth ministry plug here. Um, if you ever feel led to join our ministry, become a youth sponsor, please let me know. We're always looking for more. These kids, they, they are the church of today and the church of the future. Uh, they need mentors. They need good Christian men and women to pour into their lives. And, and it's not about having a Bible degree or having uh, X amount of years, you know, uh, being a Christian or in any kind of service. Students just need people who love the Lord and who care about their future. They need people to say, I believe in you. As one person, one example can mean so much. I remember when I was at college, I learned this at Lincoln Christian. Um, <clears throat> the, the professor was talking about how when, when somebody is asked to write down their five most influential sermons they've ever listened to, most people can't do it. But every single person that was studied could name the five most influential people in their lives. And so the question is, will we be that to somebody else? Will we believe in the power of one? 
Also, have you ever noticed that when you've met one, it seems like you've met all of them? This can be a good thing or a bad thing. Um, maybe if you, if you meet somebody uh, from a different state and uh, they're really rude to you and you're like, oh man, everybody from that state, they're just they're horrible people. Um, another sports example, you know, somebody from a team that you despise, they're acting like a jerk and you're like, oh, that whole fan base is just awful, you know. Um, another example is if, if one person tells you about a movie and they say they didn't really like it, you tell all your friends and family, like, I've heard that movie's not very good, you know, just because one person told you. Um, this can be a, a positive thing as well. Studies show that when you actually get to know somebody, your opinion of them and who they may represent can greatly change. Uh, if you actually get to know someone of the Muslim faith, um, on a personal level, you may feel differently about how to reach them, how to reach um, others. Same thing goes for uh, a gay person, uh, someone of a different race or religion. Um, instead of, and studies again prove this, instead of stereotyping everyone that fits into certain categories that you come up with, our thoughts and actions towards them can change uh, as we get to know them. Now, I say all this because a lot of people live with that mindset that once you've met one, you've met all of them. So the question is, when they meet you as a Christian, uh, what, what will they see with your one life? Will they, uh, what will they think about Christians? What will they think about Jesus himself? That's a challenge um, for all of us. So our one life matters a great deal, and we should use the one life that we have to go after the one who is lost. Jesus believed in the power of one, Several examples. One of them is in Mark 5. Uh, there's an account of a demon-possessed man who is set free by Jesus. And if you read that account, it's basically, it looks like Jesus went out of his way just so he could find that one man. He'll walk the extra mile to redeem that one person. Well, that one demon-possessed man did more evangelizing afterward than the disciples had done before Pentecost. Verse 20 of that account says, and he departed, and he began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him. Decapolis was a region of ten cities. So this one man that was healed by Jesus then went out, spread his love in ten cities. That's the power of one, and Jesus knew it. Another time, Scripture tells us that Jesus left Judea, went into Galilee, went through Samaria, and we're not told why, but he was not there to address the big crowds. He had one person on his mind. It was a woman at the well, a Samaritan woman who had been searching for love uh, among men and relationships. Her longing did not quench her inner thirst, but when she met Jesus, she was restored to God's love. Jesus came to Samaria for the one. And what happened after that? She went back into the town, a town that she used to be ashamed to even be seen in, and she wanted to tell everyone about the man she had just met that changed her life. It's the power of one, and Jesus knew it. In Acts 8, we see a story of the Holy Spirit leading Philip out into the wilderness. No question asked by Philip. He simply went out and obeyed. Um, he left what was becoming at that time a very successful and more stable ministry only to go out and find one eunuch. Philip saw the opportunity and explained to the eunuch the scripture that, that they were reading, what it was saying, and that person then went out and what was known as the dark continent saw the light of Jesus after that moment. That's the power of one, and Jesus knew it. This past summer, our youth group, we had a chance to go to uh, New England area um, for a mission trip. We stayed at the Restoration House, one of the ministries we support here. 
and uh, it was a really cool experience. Um, we visited several churches in surrounding states and uh, basically helped out a different church each day. I just want to tell you two quick stories about people that we met there. One of them, uh, his name is Josh. He is uh, the pastor of a church plant there called Movement Christian Church. Um, when we helped them, we took out their food truck. We passed out popsicles, free popsicles on a hot day and just interacted. Um, there was a baseball game. We just interacted with a lot of people, shared the love of God with them the best that we could. In my conversation with Josh, though, he told me a lot of things uh, that stuck with me. One of the things that he said was that he intentionally does things that he wouldn't normally do just for the sake of meeting new people, building relationships with them, and then through that trying to find opportunities um, to reach out to them. He told me that he goes to the grocery store every single day. He's like, not because I want to. Very few people want to do that. Uh, but instead of going once a month or once every couple weeks, or even once a week, he goes every single day just so he can meet the same workers, build relationships with them. He's not going there every day to preach a sermon. He's going there just to, just to love on people, get to know them, and then through those relationships where some trust is built, he's then able to share the gospel. And that's a challenging thing. I mean, we're all busy. Sometimes the last thing we want to do when we're running errands is to talk to strangers um, but just think about what could happen if we started to become aware of all the opportunities that are around us. Another example uh, is a, uh, a lady named Lisa, um, who is on staff at Manchester Christian Church in New Hampshire. Uh, when we were helping their church, she said that uh, their senior pastor is actually the author of the book Pray for One. Uh, Daryl has referenced that book a few times in the past, and up until this uh, this time of this mission trip, I had not read the book, so I always assumed that the whole pray for one thing meant picking one person, uh, praying for them every day, and uh, even if you never see them, just pray for that one person every day. Um, that, that's a wonderful thing. I highly recommend doing that. But she, Lisa, explained to us that day that actually the pray for one concept is actually about praying for one new person every single day to share God's love with. It's not just about praying for one person and uh, maybe you never see them. It's about saying, every single day, it's about saying, God, today, give me one person to share your love with. So I purchased the book, Pray for One. Um, I re recently finished it. And it is full of stories of how their church has grown like crazy because everyone in their congregation has grabbed hold of that mission. Every single one of them, I'm going to pray for one every single day to share God's love with. When we get behind that vision, we realize praying for one is discipleship. We realize, you know, we, we were the one at one point. We were the lost sheep that Jesus pursued. And when we start to pray that prayer, God's answer is always, always going to be yes. It doesn't mean that every person that, that we meet on a day-to-day -day basis is going to come to church, come to know Christ, but there will be some success stories. There will be growth. Discipleship will take place. Your one on Monday may be somebody that you run into at, at Planet Fitness. Your one on Tuesday may be the cashier at, at Kroger. Um, your one on Wednesday might be the waitress that's having a bad day, co-worker, and, and so on. Pray that prayer every day. Make it your mission, and, and can you imagine what new hope could look like? Can you imagine uh, as God's kingdom continues to grow through that. It would just be an amazing thing. 
I did want to share one quick story from the book, Pray for One. Um, a man, there was a man named Mike, he was in the park, and somebody from their church was praying that prayer, and they, they saw him at the park, and they thought, this is my one today, I'm going to go talk uh, to Mike. They talked to him, um, and, uh, you know, Mike ended up, in, through that conversation, ended up accepting Christ that very day. He accepted Christ, and he wanted to go to the church to meet the pastor, so he goes to the church, uh, he meets the pastor, and he's like, oh good, I, I've been wanting to meet you. I wanted you to know I accepted Christ in my life today. Um, what am I supposed to do now? The pastor told him very simply, pray for one. Ask God to give you one person every day from now on to share his love with, to share what Christ has done for you. Mike said, I can do that. Mike ended up baptizing his wife. He ended up volunteering at local ministries, continuing to pray for one every single day. It was only two weeks after his new life with Christ that he led his first person to Christ himself. Also through this process, they said that Mike was delivered from alcoholism. But notice when he went to that church and he said, hey, I accepted Christ, what am I supposed to do now? The pastor did not say, well, you got to give that up. You got to go do this. You got to stop doing that and stop doing that. He didn't say that. He said, you know what? Pray for one. Get involved in the mission of Jesus. And guess what happened? Not too long after that, Mike ended up quitting a lot of the things, quitting alcohol, doing a lot of things differently because he was on mission with Christ. And when people are on mission with Jesus, Jesus will change them and the people that they're trying to reach. I wanted to tell our youth group, we, you know, a little spoiler alert, our 2019 vision is going to have a lot to do with this concept, praying for one. But I think it should be everyone's mission. Praying for one is discipleship. And Mother Teresa one time was asked, how do you change the world? And she said, one person at a time. She also said, never worry about numbers. Help one person at a time and always start with the person nearest to you. Luke 15, that famous passage Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? That's what the song Reckless Love is referring to when we sing that, and it says, Jesus chases me down and leaves the 99. And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. The one who is lost matters to God, and your one life matters to God. Also, where you live matters, where you work matters, people you interact with every day. I was listening to a sermon um, by Erwin McManus, and he was talking about having a ministry mindset wherever you are, wherever you work. And he said, you know, even if you're not happy with where you are, Maybe you're not where you are for you. Maybe you're there for the others that are there that you come in contact with. Andy Stanley said this recently, your greatest contribution to the world may not be something you did, but rather someone you raise up. Being a Christian is not just about being saved from something. It's also about being saved to something. Otherwise, we'd all just go to heaven right when we got saved. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. He invites us to participate in the building of his kingdom. Imagine what this world would look like if we all grabbed hold of that. One thing I tell our students often is do not hesitate to do for one what you wish you could do for thousands. 
There's power in one. Your one life can make all the difference for somebody else. There's power when we go after the one lost sheep every day. And we do all of it. We do all of it for our audience of one. He's the one we do it for. He's the one that we live for. And like the angel said in Acts chapter 1, why are you just standing here? I think it's time for us to get to work. Just a few minutes, we're going to take communion together. And uh, this is our opportunity to slow down and, and spend a few minutes with our maker. This can be a time of uh, confession. If you're like me, sometimes you feel the need to confess to God that maybe I haven't gone after the lost sheep as much as I've needed to in my life. Maybe we can use this time to ask God for boldness in the coming weeks about the people that we're going to interact with. Maybe we can begin praying for our one for today. Maybe during this time you just want to spend a few minutes and, and thank God for pursuing us because we, we were the lost sheep. But we encourage you during this time to examine your own heart. Spend time communing with God. We've been talking a lot about the one today. Well, one man's death and resurrection changed everything for us. Spend some time with that very God in these moments. Let's pray. God, we love you. We're grateful for these moments that we share together. And I pray during this time that as we commune with you that um, we just get to know you more and more each and every time. Help us to be aware of the ones that are all around us. Help us to go after the lost sheep. Thank you so much for pursuing us, for calling us your children. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.